Hello, friends. Welcome to the Climbing Fierce podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping devoted Christ followers on the higher journey as they climb towards the plans, purposes, and presence of God. This podcast is built around the idea that life's not just a journey, but rather a purposeful climb to sovereign heights. I'm Hannah Schaefer, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Dr. Claudia Dempsey. We welcome you to journey alongside us as we explore common hangups, setbacks, and growth points on the journey of life, as well as some key strategies and resources so we can collaboratively climb together to reach new heights. This is Climbing Fierce. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Climbing Fierce podcast. We're so glad you're here. We have wrapped up a two-part series about faith where we discuss the journey of faith and some things that come alongside with it. So Claudia, since we've recorded those podcasts, uh, you've walked through some steps of faith in obedience to God and what he's been leading you in. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about you know what God has been calling you to in stepping out in faith? You know, Hannah, even as you ask that, I think about all the opportunities we've had through the years, my husband and I, and I'm just even thinking financially, because that's something where sometimes, like, are we really going to trust God in this? Mm -hmm. We've made multiple decisions that we put God in his kingdom before our income, almost to the point of not knowing what was going to happen. Like, would we be okay? And I can tell you now, after 20 some years of marriage, I'm in my 50s. God has never not been faithful. And even as we're talking about this, you know, working on the podcast, things we've been doing, I've pulled back from some other commitments and God's faithfulness, even in this, astounds me. So yeah, I have seen it over and over again and was actually just talking with friends the other night. It does help when there's a track record as you're invited to new invitations to step out in faith. Hmm. So I would even say for that person who's at a place where maybe they don't even have their own track record, track record yet, established if you could just hear the voice of somebody who has really tried to do this and step out in faith on many occasions god has been so faithful not just a couple of times mm-hmm. every single time mm-hmm. that's so encouraging uh i th- i think um you know even as you're saying that i'm remembering that somebody has put it actually i think christopher has said this to me but how we have a bibliography of faith And I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but um, how when God is faithful in our lives, we get to just add to our bibliography of faith. And sometimes when you're a young believer, you don't have your own bibliography of faith. So you got to reference somebody else's. Right. Um, Right. And so that's why as younger believers, we need older believers that say, let me tell you a story about. Absolutely. And I even know there were seasons in my life I needed some of that. And I went to just books, stories, Christian heroes of the faith. Like, tell me how this went for you, because Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to go for me, and I'm a little nervous. So Mm -hmm. I love that, and I love just even that imagery of building out this track record and keeping account of it. It's Mm -hmm. so helpful. Yeah. Um, And it may even be helpful to, like, keep keep a journal, even if you're not a journaler, like, just to have simple things to remember. Like, God has been faithful. You need these reminders, Mm -hmm. because you forget. I, I even now, in moments where there's a challenge of faith, I have to stop and think. My natural inclination's not oh, God totally has this. Mm-hmm. My immediate response is, oh, what is happening? And then it, it's a few seconds and the spirit man in me is able to kind of step in and I'm like, okay, no, our God has this. Mm-hmm. Look at what he's done. Mm-hmm. I love that. Even thinking about the words faith, you know, we've just done the two-part series on faith 
Um, and then faithful, like God is full. Mm. He's like f- fully worth our faith. You know, when we think mm-hmm. about him being f- faithful, I've just, I've not thought about maybe some of the way that those words actually yeah. play into, right. like God calls us to faith, but it's not a faith that is uh, blind. Like we talked about last episode, um, it, he's calling us into faith, into hoping in his faithfulness. Yeah, no, you know? absolutely love that. Yeah. Okay, so today, Hannah, we're actually going to switch roles a little bit. I know Mm -hmm. this entire season you've kind of led the conversation and you would guide uh, where we're going. And I want to take the reins today because I want us to take some time and hear about your story. Mm. Um, I know that this was actually a a moment where you and your family, it was a big faith moment for you. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that this challenged you and both you and Christopher in deep ways on this issue, particularly of faith. And this particular story has to do with one of my new favorite people in the world, little (laughs) Lucy, little Lucy Lou, who (laughs) we've talked about so many times um, (laughs) and how God proved himself near to both of you and probably Mm -hmm. even to your family members, the church family, those who rallied around you as you walk through what was a very dark, difficult season. Can you share with the listeners? Tell us a little bit about what that season was for you guys. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm so honored that the Lord has entrusted us with this with this story and excited that we get to share it a little bit more publicly. So, yeah. So this is Lucy's story. It is a part of our stories, too, of course. But, um, you know, we're going to start with her coming into the world. So a little pre-Lucy on this <laughs> on this side of the earth, if you will. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to have every tiny detail in here. But God was so in the details of this story that, mm, I, love that. I will have to share some of the, the deep details with you guys. So um, when I was pregnant with Lucy, uh, I really felt prompted by the Lord to pray over her. Um, that God uses what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You know, God uses mm. um, the foolish in the world to shame the wise. Um, just this idea that we see throughout Scripture, and that is Scripture, but um, this theme that we see that God uses the meek and um, the small, and He's always looking for those that are humble and lowly to lift them up so that He's glorified and His strength is seen. And so, I felt really prompted to pray that for Lucy as um, I was pregnant with her, which I knew was kind of a, it feels like a little bit of a risky prayer mm, when you're praying right, that for your kid. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was something that, you know, Christopher and I were just faithful to pray over her. So um, Lucy's name is actually, um, it means bearer of light. And um, she was named after Lucy Pevensey. I did not know this. Yeah, yeah, from the Chronicles of Narnia series. And so that series has meant a lot to both Christopher and I. And uh, so we named Lucy uh, after that character, Lucy. And uh, the reason we did is because her character really symbolizes childlike faith. So she's the first one that gets to see Aslan. Um, She's the first one that gets to go into Narnia. Um, And she often is the one that has faith when her siblings are quick to lose hope. And um, so we uh, loved that name and decided that's uh, what we wanted to name Lucy. And so I say all that because it's going to play into even the start of her story. Mm. Um, so as often with first babies, Christopher and I had no idea what to anticipate, <laughs> right. right? Right. At this point, we had read all the books. Mm-hmm. We had gone to our local hospital, like classes. classes. And, yeah. Yep. 
Um, we might have like read too many books, you know, like you, you know too much <laughs> and you're kind of dangerous. You're yeah. like, oh, don't do this thing because it heightens our risk for 17 other things. And sometimes you just need to yeah. let go. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were we were preparing our space in our home and in our hearts for Lucy's arrival. And we're just over the moon so excited. And so 40 weeks hits, no labor signs yet. So, okay, some more spicy food, some more curb walking. If you don't know what that is, you literally just... <laughs> you do not know what that is. It's like you literally walk on big curbs. So where <laughs> okay. we are, it's like in Windhurst, right? Yeah, right. So they have big curbs. So you just go and you like put one foot up and then down and up oh, and down. It's supposed yeah. to be... Okay. I don't know. You know, they say, right. whoever they is, that it's supposed to help induce labor. So... Um, we're yoga ball sitting, all those things. So 41 weeks hit, um, you know, my vitals look good. The baby looks good. So we're going to hang on a little longer, see if we're able to have this baby naturally. And, um, with an appointment halfway through 41 weeks, Lucy, I think was taking a nap, honestly, cause she was perfectly fine. But, uh, they said she's moving around a little bit less than we like to see. Like, let's, let's go ahead and um, put you on the list for the hospital. Go eat a good meal, pack your bags, and we'll call you when we have a bed ready. So obviously we're very excited. Our moms are here at this point and we head to the hospital. And in the same fashion that my pregnancy was just prolonged and uh, delayed, I was in labor for a super long time, like Mm. two full days. I think it was like 38 Mm -hmm. hours of active labor. So my body just didn't want to cooperate, which Mm. I know sometimes happens with first babies. Um, And if you guys remember, we are very close to having our second baby right now. So if you think about us, you can pray that the Lord Mm -hmm. would (laughs) not make this one a 38 hour one. Um, if he loves us and is merciful, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He loves us and is merciful no matter what, but that would be really wonderful. So, um, I think it's probably safe to say Lucy was just really, really comfortable. And my mom always Mm. jokes, you must just have a womb with a view. Which is so corny, but it makes me laugh every time. So finally, after all of that, Lucy enters the world and it's beautiful and incredible. And she is a whopping nine pounds, 11 ounces, 22 inches. Wow. She low-key was a toddler, wow. <laughs> but we're just on cloud nine. That's literally what our midwife said. She's like, oh my gosh, you just birthed a toddler. Which for your first, you're like, what? <laughs> Yeah. So after she was delivered, that's kind of when things started to get a little bit hairy. I spiked a really high fever uh, and um, had these really, I felt like they were very like violent tremors. Mm. Um, And so they thought I probably had an infection. Um, I had lost a pretty significant amount of blood. So like two liters of blood. Um, So they're talking about blood transfusions. um, And from here, Lucy's given antibiotics. And um, so everything kind of calms down. Was she okay in that moment? Did they see signs of concern right then and there? Okay. No. So for for the babies, they just want to make sure, because if mom has an infection, likely the baby probably has caught it. Kind of, yeah. Yep. So they don't want to find out if the baby has it. They will just treat them with antibiotics. Um, So we're both treated with antibiotics and we're both doing great really the rest of the time once you know my body calmed down and was able to kind of get back on track um but they had blood cultures that they needed to watch which just means that we needed to stay in the hospital for a full 48 hours after they took that blood to make sure lucy Mm -hmm. was healthy and ready to come home and didn't have any type of infection so that is important for later 
this is one of those details you're like, okay. Hannah, why are, why are you telling me this? Yeah. <laughs> I promise there's a point. Okay. <laughs> so we have those blood cultures. They're just on growth watch. So we come home on Friday night. Um, and uh, on Monday morning, we have our pediatrician appointment. Um, but on Sunday night, Lucy just starts to be inconsolable. Um, you know, she basically had stopped eating. So mm-hmm. we were cup feeding her. We were just like putting breast milk in a cup and trying to feed it to her because she just like refused to eat um she was she didn't sleep throughout the night and um you know as new parents it's hard to know um right right is this this what this looks like at this stage or something yeah no absolutely i mean babies cry and like that's what they teach you so right we're like yeah she's just a baby and she's crying but literally didn't really sleep throughout the night at Mm. all um unless we were holding her and there was just pockets so um, throughout this story, I'm just going to pause and say, watch the provision of God because mm. our pediatrician closed early on Friday. Our, when we're still in the hospital on Friday, our lactation consultant that is just at the hospital just comes in and checks in. Christopher just happens to know her from when he worked in restaurants. And this woman, um, like spent some extra time with us cause she knew Christopher and they're just kind of shooting the breeze. And, uh, she says, out of nowhere this is not her job it's not on her checklist where are you guys going to the pediatrician so we tell her and she says oh they close early on fridays and it's friday she's like you definitely want to call them before one so we're like oh wow thank you it's probably like 11 o'clock in the morning so we're able to call them i'm not sure you know if we would have waited i'm not sure what we would have done if we would have had to switch pediatricians or what but um so we call and make an appointment for monday and So Lucy starts to lose her mind on Sunday night and is, like, inconsolable. We have that appointment at 1130 on Monday. Monday morning. Yep, which felt like 8 a.m. for us because it's been such a rough night and getting (laughs) out the door with a newborn feels, like, so astronomical. But um, I remember it was 1130, and so... um, you know, we get to the pediatrician's office, and I just remember, like, I'm going to try and feed Lucy one more time. Um, And... She's just screaming and screaming and screaming. Mm. So we step into the to the room uh, at the pediatrician's, and uh, the nurse practitioner comes in, and she says, hey, mom, how are things going? And, of course, I'm newly postpartum, and some uh, of that is your hormones. Yes. It's just, like, doing crazy things. So I am literally so hot. Plus, I'm, like, probably a little embarrassed because I can't get my child to stop crying. Mm. And it's our first go-round, so everything feels embarrassing. (laughs) So I'm just, like, hot, and she's screaming, and I'm like, um, things aren't going that great. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she doesn't know that. Right, right. (laughs) And I thought she was being rude for a second because she was looking at her watch. I'm like, is this woman not listening to me? Like, Mm. did she just ask me and is checking her Apple Watch? (laughs) And then I see on her Apple Watch that she has a timer going. And I realized that she was tracking Lucy's breathing as mm. she's listening to me. And oh, wow. um, she basically, within 30 seconds, knew that Lucy was not well. Like she, Oh, my goodness. Wow. So they check her blood oxygenation. It's at 80%, which blood oxygenation is supposed to be at 100%. Like at 80%, they start worrying about brain damage and things like that. Okay. So they wrap the little thing around her toe and it tells them how much blood is or how much oxygen is in like Mm -hmm. her extremities basically so um they weigh her she's lost 17 percent of her body weight which they don't like to see more than 10 at max um and she starts listening to her heart her heart is beating twice as fast as it needs to be she's breathing twice as fast as she is supposed to be and so clearly something's wrong so they 
put her on oxygen immediately. And mind you, this is just at our like pediatrician right. appointment. Hannah, I remember riding in the car. This is unbelievable. Yeah. I remember riding in the car and saying to Christopher, like, here's all the questions I wanted to ask because, like, nothing was working. Yeah, right. So I'm like, okay. So even in my new mom brain, I'm not processing, like, this baby's not. The severity of what this is. You're thinking, okay, how do I almost navigate some of these natural challenges Mm -hmm. maybe more effectively, not something's wrong. Right, right. I'm thinking maybe she just is, I know it's rare, but, like, rejecting mom's milk and all of that. So. You know, I'm, I'm making answers for all the things I'm seeing. Yes, yeah. Not thinking something is really wrong. So uh, that nurse practitioner looks at us and says, okay, she's going to need to go to the ER. Would you guys like me to call an ambulance or do you want to take her? Yeah. And she told us later that she had already called the ambulance. Like she was just trying not to. Okay, I'm almost feeling like I want to get choked up here. Before we just And I know she's fine. Yeah. And I've seen this adorable little child. Okay, so what in the world is first-time parents is going through I see your eyes tearing Mm -hmm. I feel the same thing what is going through your mind at this point yeah I think we were almost in like crisis uh crisis mode like Mm. we were dealing with a crisis and so I don't even think we had the emotional like response yet the shock the exhaustion of what you're not coming in off of a great restful weekend Mm -hmm. you're coming in spent your body now going through huge adjustment after giving birth totally yeah, and it just was also a very traumatic birth. So mm-hmm. um, I look right. back and I'm like, <laughs> with the one with our second baby that's coming, I'm like, I wonder how shocking some of our experience will be. And I'm going to be like, yeah, we really went through it the first time. <laughs> um, but I also think like you have some of that shame creeping in. Like, what have I done that my baby's not doing mm. well? Um, like, I should have seen the signs. Um so we get rushed to the ER at this point. Um, I go with Lucy in the ambulance, and they just literally strap her car seat like to a stretcher and roll her out. Mm-hmm. Um, the hospital wasn't far away, which was nice. Um, but Christopher followed in our in our vehicle, and I remember them dropping us off and like wheeling her in, and it literally felt like a movie. Like mm. there was so much chaos, like spinning around me, and people asking me questions and. Um, praise God for this incredible ER doctor that just looked at us in our eyes and um, said, hi, Mrs. Schaefer. My name is Dr. Stevens and I'm going to be your doctor. We're going to take great care of your daughter. And like in the midst of the chaos, it just felt like he was anchoring, right? just like looking me in the eyes and saying like, we're going to take care I of I feel her. anchored by you just saying that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Somebody saw them and was like, I'm going to step in yep. and do whatever I can on their behalf. Because you can imagine they're all tending to her and I'm like standing in the corner and Christopher's not in there yet because he's got to check in at the front desk. <laughs> and so I'm just standing in the corner and it's literally just like a whirlwind spinning. Oh my goodness. So um, at this point, we um, we Christopher gets in there and, you know, they're starting to run tests. They have her on a heart monitor. Like she's hooked up and they're taking blood and they're figuring out what's going on. And so um, – you know, Christopher comes in and, um, I'm, like I said, newly postpartum, like maybe five days postpartum. So, you know, I've got to be worrying about like, Oh, hopefully this is not too much information for everybody, but <laughs> I've got to worry about pumping because right. the baby's yeah. not feeding. And, um, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I didn't even bring enough of like the things that I would need because mm-hmm. I'm still recovering. Yeah. Like even a pad, maybe like right. I've got, I've got yes. minimal supplies yes. because we thought we were just going to the pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really have like food or snacks or any of that. So um, we just happen to see 
um, someone we know from church who happened to be at the hospital that day. His name is Mike. And Mike actually runs the ER. Like, I don't know what his official title is, but he's like the director of the ER. But he's like in normal clothes. And so Christopher pops his head out and says, Mike. And of course he looks at us and he's like, he knows we just had a baby. And he's like, why are you here? And so Mike was this faithful voice. And this is where I'm going to say pause look at God's provision Mm. because Mike was there because it was busy. He literally was a runner that day. So he was on the floor and was just filling in gaps. Mm. And he looked at us and was like, this is going to probably be a long journey. You guys look like crap. (laughs) Was his exact wording to us. (laughs) You guys look like crap. (laughs) You guys need to take care of each other. Mm. I think this is going to be a long journey. And what can I provide for you right now? So Christopher's like, do you have any snacks <laughs> for my wife? <laughs> so he gets me like a Gatorade and a granola bar, which was exactly what I needed. And then believe it or not, um, one of my dear friends, her name's Emma. Um, she just happened to be, she's a nurse in the ER and she just happened to be on shift. These are the only two people that we know that work right. in the ER, yeah. like that are intimate <laughs> friends. There. And they both happened to be there. The Lord was so faithful, even in that moment of like, mm despair and what's going on we already were starting to see like okay god is so in this with us so emma provided all of the maternity supplies that i needed the postpartum supplies and um so at this point they the er determines lucy has something called acidosis so her body is overly acidic um it means that her body is trying extra hard to um basically go into equilibrium Mm -hmm. but it can't so um you can imagine that double time breathing her heart is working double what it's supposed to be it's all trying to get um acid out so it's trying to get all the carbon dioxide out and get oxygen in but it's struggling to do that so between that um she was so dehydrated and then um, there was some blood work that they just couldn't really explain um specifically her sodium was really high but she wasn't eating um and there was a couple of other things so pretty quickly they say all right we're going to ship you up to uva which for us is like the better kids hospital in in our part of virginia so um we're like okay we're going to uva and i remember asking a nurse like do you have any idea how serious this is like is this Mm life-threatening because you I don't, don't even speak know doctor. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I, we're like just in over our heads and we're taking in all this info. Um, so I think that they're just going to strap Lucy to a stretcher and, and move her on to UVA. Oh no. They come in with like a full like incubator that she's going to ride in this special ambulance because she's a baby that I didn't even know that they had. Right. And the shock that I felt in that moment was mm. like... <laughs> Like, my baby's being hooked up like a almost, like, superhuman machine that um, I have a picture, and maybe we can post it on on our Instagram page just to give you a picture into, like, they they roll that in, and my heart just drops because I think it's starting to sink in more and more and more that, like, Lucy is really sick. She's not okay. And they don't know what's going on. So, um. I will make this part a little bit quicker. I feel like I'm being a little long-winded. But, um, you know, when we pack up and go um, to UVA, Christopher goes and packs our bags. And um, 
at UVA, they really specialize in uh, neurology and then like cardiology. So they're really looking at, is there anything wrong with her brain? Is there anything wrong with her heart? And uh, then we were working with like their genetics team. So at this point, they're not seeing anything wrong with her. Um, they have done all types of scans and um, we're there for maybe two hours. Like they're working quickly on mm. her. And um, before I feel like we're even settled in, um, the doctor sits down with us and says, okay, so we think that this might be metabolic, which means Lucy's body may not be able to break down like lipids or fats or proteins or something that's making her body not be able to function. Like it's not getting what it needs. So because of that, we're going to send you to DC Children's National Hospital. Which... Oh my gosh. I'm, I mean, all of this, taking all this in, mm-hmm. what a whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, watch the providence of God. My parents live 30 minutes away from this D.C. Children's National Hospital. Mm. And we didn't know this at the time, but this is still kind of at the tail end of COVID. And so um, D.C. Children's would let both parents stay in the room overnight, whereas UVA would just be one. And so when we get to D.C. Children's, I'm so grateful that one, my parents are nearby and can be like a, a home base for us, depending on how long we need to be there. But two... We both get to stay with her the entire time yes. if we want to. And I look back and That's I'm so huge. grateful for that, that neither of us had to just be in there be by ourselves. Be alone in that, not knowing any of the details, not right. knowing what's happening. Right, right. So, um, yeah. And That's- at this point, um, if I can just give you guys kind of a timeline, <clears throat> this is about 12 hours that we went from our pediatrician's appointment at 11. I was going to ask about, you know, what's transpiring here. 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 12 hours. So 11. Your third hospital. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which looking back, how quickly they transported us mm-hmm. and were quick to pass us on again, affirms like Lucy was just very, very sick and they wanted to get her wherever she needed to go um, as quickly as possible. So um, you can imagine the pediatrician appointment was at 1130 AM. Um, then when we go to the ER, then to UVA, then to DC children's by midnight that night. And when I say a whirlwind, like right. I remember, I remember saying to Christopher, like we thought we were going to a pediatrician's appointment and we're like going to DC today. You know, it just, it makes me think, Hannah, there are moments in life when the bottom just drops out mm. and it just seems like chaos comes in and that's all there is. There's mm-hmm. no semblance of it's okay. There's no semblance of I see the light at the end of the tunnel. In that moment, it's just complete chaos. So for mm-hmm. you guys, as you're in the middle of this, where's the point at which you're like, Lord, are, are you here? What's happening? Cry, kind of crying out to him. Have you even reached that at this point? I mean, mm-hmm. 12 hours in is not that much. You're just kind of in survival mode. Yeah. Um, so what's happening on that front for you guys? Yeah, I think throughout we're probably having some subconscious like prayers to the Lord. <laughs> but like you said, it is. It's just it feels like we're just intaking information. We're in crisis aversion mode. We're just like responding to the things that are that are coming at us and listening to the professionals, right? Um, but I remember leaving UVA and we, <clears throat> Christopher and I made the decision to ride together to DC because um, we knew Lucy would be safe in the ambulance. We've, you know, a team of experts on it at oh, this point. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like a team of six people for our little baby. Yeah. So, um, and we just recognized that we needed to be together for, you know, the last two hour drive that it is from 
UVA up to DC. And at this point, I think Christopher said to me, before we left, we packed up our, up the car and we're sitting in the bottom of the parking garage. And he literally, before we pulled out of the gate, just went to like this empty space in the, in the parking lot. And he looks at me and he said, okay, we just need to pray. I was like, yeah, we do just need to like pause and pray. And we prayed this Holy Spirit is the only like reason that I can tell you that we were able to pray this prayer. But we just prayed this prayer of God, Lucy might not be okay. We might lose her at some point, but we trust you. And we are like open-handed. We know that you love Lucy mm-hmm. more than we do. And um, I felt that so genuinely. I need some tissues. Hold on. <laughs> oh, man. I know. And and mm-hmm. I can't even tell you how genuine that wasn't, like, in my heart praying mm-hmm. that. Like, Lord, I know that it we could just lose words. her. Yeah. Like, we know that this is where the rubber meets the road for our faith. We know that you could take everything. This could be a Job moment for us. Um, but like, we trust you and we don't know what you're doing. We don't know why this is happening, but we know that you are good and you are with us and you've Mm. already showed us in all of these small provincial ways that have meant so much to us in the details. And Mm. with that, we pulled out and said, amen. And just like held hands and said, we're going to do this together. And then we proceeded to have a really hard conversation where I still think this is one of the hardest conversations we might have had to date mm. in our marriage. Um, so we're headed up and Christopher's like, Hannah, it's not a coincidence that your parents live so close to the hospital. I really think you've got to go to their house and sleep tonight because you're five days postpartum and you have been running around for 12 hours at all these hospitals and... Like Lucy is not going to die tonight. They have her stable Mm -hmm. and they're just going to start running tests. Like, let me go to the hospital. I'll drop you off. And I, you can imagine, (laughs) I was like, no, (laughs) have you lost your mind? (laughs) I am not going to do that. And I almost feel like in that moment, it was the Lord Mm. giving me the opportunity to like, obey my husband Mm. who was trying to lay down his life like you think that he didn't want me there with him do you really think that christopher wanted to i mean the test that he was watching them do like they had to do two spinal taps on lucy Uh. and so like on your precious five-day-old baby Mm. like you don't think that he wanted me standing next to him holding his hand but he's like hannah you have to you have to go take care of yourself if this is going to be a long journey like you have to remember what mike said this is me taking care of you I was like, mm. okay, okay, wow. I think that you're right. So like I get to my parents, I take a shower, I lay down, and I'm up, of course. Like, I was going to say, could you sleep? I actually was able to. I'm sure it's just because my body a was truly exhaustion. Ex- yeah. Um, so I slept for probably like six hours mm-hmm. um, after we had gotten there. And then I turned around, made some oatmeal. Well, I think my mom did because she's amazing <laughs> for both of us. And then we headed to that. My mom dropped me off at the hospital. So... I get there and they kind of give me the updates. We're there for morning. 
uh, what do they call it? Morning rounds where they update everyone. (laughs) And um, Christopher and I were always like the two extra bodies. (laughs) Um, We were not missing morning rounds. They were at 8 a.m. every day and we would do breakfast afterwards, but we're not missing what's going on with our baby. And that's with a team of like 12 nurses and doctors and they're running through all of it. So I think I've already said this, but this is the number one NICU in the nation. So I don't know that I knew that. Okay. Yeah. So DC Children's National is no joke. So, and we didn't know that beforehand. Right. Again, just the provision of God. Like, these are the best NICU doctors in the whole nation. And we just get to go to them fairly easily. And they've got her on full-time watch. I mean, truly, we were not taking care of her. Like, we were there. Right. But I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't changing her diapers. It wasn't. Yeah. Like, we weren't feeding her. At this point, they had to put her on, like, sugar water because they didn't, they thought it was metabolic, right? They're not yeah, going right. to give her anything but sugar water until they know what's going on. So, um. So here they're running test after test after test, and they're really ruling out um, what big things it could be. So they're leaving no stone unturned. Um, and slowly, I'll just tell you, we were there for five days. And around day three, they're really start, starting to rule off some of the big ones, okay. which to us was like, oh, my gosh, this is relief. Right? This A is little amazing. Bit of, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and so, uh, you know, at this point, Christopher and I um, were spending every night in the hospital. Um, we're not, we have not left the hospital, which is great. They have showers there. They have like okay. food. And, um, but again, we are like entering the parenthood um, chapter of our life, like very abruptly. Mm. And so I feel like we were just trying to also soak in and like still talk to Lucy and not be like, she's this medical experiment. So you could have full access to her where you, you know, so it wasn't yeah. that she was in some kind of locked unit and you mm. could almost through windows see her, but you were actually able to be in close proximity. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we were able to, I think we always had to have, have our masks on if I remember, cause it was still COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to be in the room with her. So we okay. literally slept in two of those like reclining chairs, right. which felt good enough for me. I was yeah. probably so exhausted. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember caring. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, we got to be around her pretty much twenty four seven. The only time we really weren't was if they were doing something Take like a, a spinal or something. Yeah, a spinal tap or something. But she mostly was she lived there and we did too for, for all those days. Wow. So. Okay, so here, being newly postpartum, being away from your home, living at the hospital now for five days without stepping outside those walls, mm-hmm. was there any sense of starting to feel alone and isolated? Did that start to surface for you guys at all? Um I think it helped that we were able to be together. I think um, it kind of, kind of felt like. Um, have you ever like been on a cruise where it kind of feels like you're home away from home for mm-hmm. a little bit? Yeah, we were starting to get some of that. Okay, because at this point we knew our way around the hospital. You have a routine, a little bit of a rhythm. Yes, and at this point we had like seen some of the same nurses like leave shift and come back. <laughs> so like we're kind of like making friends. Right, <laughs> they're <right>. our neighbors. <laughs> um, so I think. You know, it, in in that time, the fact that we could be together and our moms each came to visit at, at one point to just come and be yeah. with us and things like that. Um, so I would say we weren't feeling isolated and alone. And, and actually, it probably isn't really due to any of those specific things. But um, I'm not sure that if I could explain to you how much support we felt, you would be able to really understand because... We had so many people that reached out to us, like people that I did not even know 
were reaching out and saying like we're praying for you one of the nurses back at the lynchburg er messaged me on facebook and was like hi i know this is unprofessional but i just wanted to let you know that i'm praying for lucy and like i don't need an update but yeah so people from my work even some of our college students were literally sending us money Oh. to like be able to okay, buy food huge, at the hospital because college students have no money yes How amazing literally one person sent us a dollar and said like may the lord multiply this <laughs> which is I mean, so right, sweet right that's incredible <laughs> and um you know between our church and our small group and mm, both of I our places that. of work like we just had an outcry of people that that were reaching out and it didn't feel burdensome it wasn't mm. it wasn't um something that that was annoying to us. We felt so supported. And I even received a letter from a church that I went to when I was in elementary school. And clearly this woman was a prayer warrior because I could just tell by the way she was writing. Yeah, you you knew. And you can tell. You're like, this person talks to the Lord fairly regularly. Yes. So she had sent us a letter that just said like, I am praying for your little girl. And Mm -hmm. we of course didn't get it till we came home. Okay. But this random woman in Northern Virginia who I have never met in my whole life. I have no connection to. Wow. I went to that church, but I think someone had just shared yeah. about what was going on. And she wrote to us. And um, it's cute because she even wrote to us afterwards saying, like, I'm rejoicing with you that that the Lord has done such a great uh, work in your daughter's life. And yeah. so when I say people that we literally didn't know were praying for us, but also were sending us money, I just, I was so blown away. Support. Yeah. I... When we we've done the math and in, in the aftermath, if you will, <laughs> of all of this, and I think we had over a thousand people that were praying for Lucy, wow. which is so crazy. Right, right. Just as people share and say, "Will you please be praying for this family and this baby mm. that's newly born? They don't know what's going on." So yeah, just blown away. We did not feel alone, but I think through all of that, something Claudia that I just have to share. One thing was really clear at the end of the day, and that was the Holy Spirit was moving in his people to specifically pray for Lucy's full healing. And for your mindset, we were coming into DC National, not knowing what was wrong, really prepared that this was going to be a life-altering thing. Like this could be, if she does recover, there may be a lingering issue right through her life. Right. right. Like if she can't break down lipids, we probably are going to have medication or yeah. some something we're going to have to do mm-hmm. for the rest of her life. So... We're fully mentally prepared for that to be the outcome. And so when I'm getting text after text that people are praying that Lucy would be fully healed. And that's what our church prayed when they put her precious newborn picture up on the screen. Uh, Like so many people praying that Lucy would be fully healed of whatever was going on. That wasn't even on our radar. Right. Right. We were not even faithful enough to like (laughs) think or pray for that. We were... We were just like, Lord, keep Lucy alive keep and we'll alive. deal with whatever. Yeah. Because I just thought God is going to use what is weak in the world to shame. The, like I would, mm. my heart was ready. I felt like God had prepped us for that wow. um, and was faithful to do that. So, um, but if you can believe it, day three, as they're starting to mark off all of those big things, the doctors Rolling are kind of all these potential issues. Right. The doctors are kind of looking at us like, listen, every once in a while, we will have a healthy baby with no answers, but we would rather have a healthy baby with no answers than an unhealthy right. baby with answers. Yes, right. We were kind of like, okay. And I remember looking at Christopher and saying, 
if she's fine and we walk out of here and she's fine, like we have to shout this from the rooftops. Mm. Like she was so sick. Yes. They had, they still like have no idea. Like they're still searching for answers. If she's fine, we have to like proclaim this to the nations. This is just so crazy. Yeah. Intervention, right? Yes. A a very sick baby Mm -hmm. with no sense of really what is contributing to the severity of what's happening. And then suddenly just starts to demonstrate signs of health. Yeah. Out of nowhere. Just slowly, slowly getting better. So then, you know, we like get to hold her one day because we haven't held her in in probably four days at this point, maybe five. Um, And if you can just imagine and go there with me, we're in this big room. It's just me and Lucy. I think Christopher had stepped out to like get a snack or something. And, um, I'm like standing over her with my Bible, just feeling like I just want to express something to the Lord, Mm. but I'm struggling to find the words to do it. And for some reason, like Psalm 111 just pops in my head and Lucy is laying there hooked up to all these monitors. She's got a tube in her nose. She is just from head to toe covered in, in wires and, Mm. and monitors. And, um, I just read this over her and, If you don't mind, I'm just going to read it. It says, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him, and he remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Oh my gosh. Thank you for reading that. Uh, That's powerful. So Hannah, were you able to really take in what was happening here? Or were you still just in total shock as Lucy is, she's starting to improve and you don't know why. So what's happening with you right here in this moment? Mm -hmm. Um, because we've had like a warped sense of time being in the yeah, hospital. Right. <laughs> Just like, right. Uh, yeah. I think um, we were honestly starting, at least I'll speak for me. I won't speak for Christopher. I feel like I was starting to take some of it for granted because she's just like getting better Mm. and we're getting like good news and better news and better. And it just seems like we're kind of on this wild ride of she was super sick, just kidding. And so I'm like starting to maybe even take it a little bit for granted. And there was a couple of moments that jarred me back that I'm so grateful for Maybe this wasn't as severe as it seemed. Yes. Right? Yeah. No, that's actually exactly. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe we were just like overly cautious or. Right. And I even had the thought, and I'm just remembering this. I even had the thought, huh, maybe if we wouldn't have taken her in, like maybe she just would have been fine and things would have like recovered. But the Lord is so faithful. <laughs> There are two things that jarred me right back into reality. Mm. The first was our pediatrician calling us and asking 
for an update. Mm-hmm. And when I'm giving her the update, this is when we're on the uptick. And she said, if you would have waited 24 more hours, you could have lost her. Wow. <sighs> <laughs> right. And like, I'm emotional now about it, but I just, I was, I had that call when Christopher was out of the room. And when he came back, I just like blubbered in his chest oh, because right. I'm like, I've already forgotten. Like she was mm-hmm. so sick that if we wouldn't have taken her in, like we would have lost her um, in about 24 hours because she was so sick. And so I'm grateful for that because I think I would have like tricked my own mind into thinking like, oh, this wasn't, right. this wasn't actually that serious. Like right. she just got better. Um, and the second jarring moment was a girl that I randomly worked at camp with over the summer, happened to be a nurse on that floor, and she saw my Facebook post. So mm-hmm. her next shift, she came by to see us. And this is probably uh, like 12 hours before we're going to be released. Okay. And so she says to me, wow, I'm so surprised that they gave you guys this big corner room. This is for like the really, really sick babies. And she left the room, and I looked at Christopher, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's because Lucy was a really, really sick baby when we came into this hospital. And I almost, as you're talking, what I, like, I almost think we, in our humanity, we go to places we can understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, if she's okay, then I, for me to take this to a place where I understand is maybe it wasn't that severe, rather than almost embrace this supernatural reality of God intervened mm-hmm. when this baby was so sick. This mm-hmm. wasn't us just misreading. that. This is borderline. We're, we're moving into the miraculous, and right. we don't, how to process that that's not where we instinctively go it doesn't because it doesn't make sense where where does that land in our thinking and Mm -hmm. our understanding no absolutely absolutely excuse me i'm all choked up over here um well and so you said this was the number one NICU in the nation well did they ever come back and say hey we actually this is a diagnosis this this is what was wrong Mm -hmm. yeah no they they literally said to us the best guess that we have is maybe she had a virus Mm-hmm. And it just resolved as we've given her antiviral medicine, which I didn't even know was a thing. But um, that was their best guess. God intervened. Well, right? <laughs> and Claudia, this is why I like, again, it's reaffirming. So I told you at the beginning, like, sorry for all the details. Brace yourself a little bit. Because at every single place that Lucy had been, we had blood cultures. So even when she was newly born, right? Because I had that fever and infection. Right, right. We had blood cultures from when she was that DC Mm. was looking at those blood cultures to look for signs of whatever this thing could be. And then they did viral panels, like the 120 viral panels at every hospital. So I'm like, I just can't believe that it was some simple bacterial infection or viral infection. Like, I really think something probably maybe metabolic was wrong. Like something truly was wrong. And God heard the outcry Mm. of so many people on Lucy's behalf. And he was faithful to listen to those prayers and to heal her. Like, I just am a firm believer in that. Mm. And so even as I've been processing, sharing this for the podcast, you know, we named Lucy after someone that has childlike faith and not realizing that through our child, we would actually learn to have more childlike faith. And our hope was for her to have that. But we have Mm. received that, I feel like, in Mm. tenfold through her story. That's incredible. But you know, I mean, even as we're talking, faith trials are not easy, obviously. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you're, you will know that full well. We all know that. Anytime we get that 
I'm going to say invitation to a place of very deep trial or mm-hmm. very deep difficulty. Um, it's difficult because we don't get to always walk away with that healthy baby. Right. We don't always see, I shared in the opening, like stepping out in faithfulness. Mm. Um, I can think of times where the doors we needed to open didn't open. Right. But it was in meeting God in those moments of, of faithfulness. But there's times even... I've prayed plenty of prayers that did not get answered and the mm-hmm. healing didn't come for especially some, some health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as devoted Christ followers, we know that we can, even in the midst of all that, hold to his promise that all things work together for his good. And, you know, I've often thought, so I'm not a, a I'm not covered in tattoos. I don't have sleeves. Or, but I thought <laughs> if I was ever to have a moment and just like, let's do it up. I would probably have all over my arms, like he is faithful. Just mm. every way I could communicate that is mm. my God is faithful. Mm. And again, he does hold to that. And I just think of that Romans 8 passage that right there, it says in that verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? What in the world do we say when this mm. thing surfaces that I don't know how to respond to in the flesh? Here's what we say. If God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. And I would say that to anybody listening when you're mm. you're looking and you're like, And what shall I say to this thing in front of me, to this situation? We say that if God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Now, how will he not also with him so graciously give us all these things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's going to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who's interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Will it be tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or or sword, right? As it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all day long and we're regarded as sleep, as sheep to be slaughtered. But here it is. This is where it culminates in this passage. Knowing all these things, we talk about the tribulation, the distress. We talk about the obstacles and the, and the pain. We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, nothing can separate us from the love of God who's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Mm. Amen. Amen. And at the end of the day... If I look back at our story, honestly, here's the craziest thing about all of it is that we walked away with more blessing than we would have if we were just at home with a healthy baby. And that would have been blessing enough for us, obviously. Right. right. But, you know, we know that we walked away with more of God's goodness and presence and plans and purposes yes. <laughs> but we walked away more blessed mm. from that trial than anything else yes we had a healthy baby and praise god but we know that doesn't always happen christopher and i walked away closer than we had ever been having some of the hardest conversations that we have ever had to have um you know we got to see and feel the love of god through his community and through people that didn't even know us that were like just blessing us and praying for us and even providing meals for us while we were in the hospital, things like that. And I think we honestly could look at one another and say that we were in full surrender through this whole situation, which I can only attest to God's faithfulness. We can't, we can't fabricate that. No. And 
I almost, it's weird. I almost feel like a little guilt about saying that. Like, oh, how can I actually say that I was like really okay with whatever the Lord was going to do? But if I can give any encouragement to a believer out there, it is not the time to process who you think God is in the in light of suffering when you're going through suffering. I had a That's professor good. in undergrad who said to us, you have got to figure out who you believe God to be in light of suffering before you're walking through that. Is that is so good, right? Because your vision is so blurred. Your heart is broken. Like, you're not in your right senses. And that's the time when you cry out to the Lord and say, I don't understand. Mm. Like, I want to trust who you are, but I'm struggling. Like, that's the time for that. It's not like, let me logically think through whether God is the one persecuting me. Right, right. Because the answer is God is not the author of evil. He's not um, the one persecuting you. He will allow trials to happen, um, but he will be faithful to walk with you every step of the way. And so I look at our story not with like, we were so amazing to believe God. (laughs) I'm like, God was so faithful to Mm. even put that professor in my life to help me understand before I walk through trials. That will happen. Like we don't get out of life unscathed. So I've got to process who is God? Who do I believe him to be before I'm walking through the loss that Mm. is so devastating to me, I can barely get out of bed or, you know, something even like this. And Claudia, I could even speak to the testimony of like, this is before the end of the year. Lucy was born on December 1st. So like we had hit our deductible. And if you saw the bills that came in from our insurance company. Oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And so that's not something you're thinking about when you're in DC National, but those bills start rolling in (laughs) and your heart and your mind. (laughs) I'm looking at Christopher like, we could be in debt for so long. And actually our insurance company sent us a bill saying that Lucy got like too good of care because she was, everything was fine. Right, right. The insurance company's like, all right, this is sketchy. Why is she had so much done? And so, you know, I talked to um, my employer and said, hey, like, I don't know what's going on, but is there any way you could help? I'm not kidding you. Five days after I went and talked to HR, I got a notice in the mail that everything was covered. And like Christopher and I were thinking like, we're going to be, I don't even want to tell you the number, like so in debt with these medical bills that we will just be like swallowed alive for years and years to come. Oh my gosh. Because they weren't going to cover it. Right. And like that quick. Unbelievable. And I'm just like, Lord, you have covered all of this. I, I don't understand how we're so lucky to have walked through all of this. And I'm telling you, I feel like we walked away just only with the blessing of God. I'm like, <laughs> mm. Hannah, as you're talking, and we've said this the entire time as we shot different podcasts, the story God gives us mm. becomes an instrument of, of, just a tool of ministry mm-hmm. and that we use for others. But I think we started this off and you use this word. This was Lucy's story. Mm. I just think this is going to pave the way for her to mm-hmm. have a very powerful story to share moving forward. And mm-hmm. as she you said, this beacon of light, right? Yeah. Light and hope and faithfulness. Um, I think this is going to be part of her story for a very clear reason mm-hmm. and that God will use her life and her testimony to bring hope to the darkness, those who are lost in, in hurt and confusion and get this glimpse of hope of mm. the faithfulness of our God. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. I can't thank you enough, my friend, for just 
kind of being vulnerable enough to go deep, share all this. I know multiple times our eyes have been just mm-hmm. on the verge, are welling up with tears. And this was this was powerful, almost painful to listen to at times. And yet just a celebration of God's faithfulness in all this. Yes. And I, I mean, I can't thank even our listeners enough. I know I can probably get a little lost in the sauce of the details. So <laughs> thanks for bearing with some of the deep mm-hmm. details. But um, I'm really grateful just that, I can share in this spaces, like Psalm 111 says, the wondrous works of God mm. and that you're, you have given me even the platform to share this story to quote unquote, shout it from the rooftops. Like I said to Christopher when we were in the hospital. So yeah. thanks for being my rooftop. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And to, again, to those listening, if there's something where we can come beside you, I, Hannah talked about the significance of people coming mm-hmm. alongside to pray. Yeah. Please reach out. Hello at growthpointperspective.com gives us just a way to communicate. Let us know how we can support you and what you're going through. I want to thank you for yeah, sticking with us through this story. Hope you'll tune in next week. And just as you press on, just continue pressing in and climb fierce. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. Be sure to check out today's show notes for more resources, links, and helpful tools on today's topic. You can find these resources and more on our website at www.growthpointperspective.com. If this podcast has been at all impactful for you or someone you know, let us know, leave us a review or send it to a friend who might need to hear about today's topics. And if you have any questions or an episode idea for us, or you want to get in contact with our team, email hello at growthpointperspective.com. Until next time, friends, go climb fierce.